1: even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening
4: back out to the phone lines 888-957-9570 Daily City and Rich wants to join the conversation hey Rich
3: hey guys uh, happy new year or happy almost happy new year hey I, I i think you know this this year is uh, this year our bus And I I look at Draymond and Wiggins as uh, the the two moves we need to make. And if we don't do anything uh, this year, let Clay and uh, um, CP3's contract expire, free up cash. But uh, you guys kind of alluded to where I was hitting uh, as far as trade Draymond to Detroit as a, a veteran leader and get, Ask for Bogdanovich and Durin. and then Wiggins try to get a draft pick. And then if all else fails after this year, it's a Cooper Cooper flag lottery for us uh, two years down the road. Let's get a Cooper upper flag. rounder in either the next two years with Wiggins, and and you all we already have a starting four of young guys that we just add someone like a flag to or durin too and we have a starting five for the next uh, generation um and then with with um curry still there and whoever else so what do you guys think
4: well cooper's coming out this year so i think you said two years down the road so cooper flag will be the number one pick in the 2024 nba draft so i don't think the Warriors have a shot at him
2: i mean the the, the question i think is how good how much upside do the Warriors four young players really have? If you committed to making you know Pajemski and Jackson Davis and Moody and Kuminga more integral parts of their rotation, and you leaned on those guys more, how good of a team would you be? You know, I mean, are, are they are they good players or are they all you know rotation players off the bench? You know, is, is Trace Jackson Davis a starter or is he a backup? Is Pajemski a starter or is he a backup? Is Kuminga a starter or is he a backup? You know, it's like, I don't know. It's a little bit of a projection on these guys. Um, it's a little bit of of a risk to just to just say they're the guys. But you know what? I think that's that's where they're at right now, where, you know, you've got some ascending players and you've got some, some players who are in decline. And... I'd rather see them invest more minutes in their ascending young players than playing players that are in obvious decline because you don't want to have to tell them that they're going to come off the bench. If you're going to do it, you've got to do it now
4: because they're only going to decline more, which makes it even that much more difficult to move them down the road. So and if you want value, you've got to pull the trigger right now.
2: And it's really tough, too, because you also have guys who, you know, their ego is part of the, what makes them great you know you have to really have a belief to make it and so you know um, how much of how much of that is the reason that clay thompson made it to the nba is this unbelievable undying belief that he has in himself and that's where it's going to be i think very difficult to convince him that hey you know what um you take a lesser role, and this is kind of a bigger overarching issue. Because if he's not happy with a two-year, fifty million dollar offer, I'm not even 100 percent sure that he's worth a two-year, fifty million dollar offer. And yet, he's not happy with that offer. If that's what what's been reported is accurate, then they've got a situation that's kind of a where's where's that going right there? If you if you Think that fifty million over two years is overpaying and yet he's gonna feel disrespected. How do you come to common ground there?
4: I think a lot of that was on the heels of what it is that Draymond got at four years for a hundred. And I think that, you know, certainly Clay thinks that he thinks all three of them are on equal footing, and so why is Draymond getting the four and the security and the 100 mil and you're only giving me two? So yeah, pride goes a long way with that guy, and I feel as though, I think he feels as though he was, he was disrespected. Speaking of Draymond Green, the caller mentioned Draymond going to Detroit. I'm with the caller who mentioned that Draymond, we have to wait and see for Draymond to come back just to see how all of this works. What is Draymond when he comes back? Is he in the starting lineup? That means that, you know, who's getting moved? Uh, does Draymond take a relegated role to the bench? And what does it mean for him unlocking maybe Trace Jackson Davis? You talked about Jonathan Kamingham, the dunker spot. Imagine those two working together. So I think he let it, we got to let this breathe a little bit with Draymond coming back and then reassessing the basketball team.
2: I agree and and Draymond I would like to see you know play a lot of those heavy minutes with Steph. I mean, he plays so well off Steph. Steph plays so well off him. If you're going to have Draymond Green on the roster, to me, it, you you got to play him in the Steph Curry minutes, right? I mean, he he's he's so they they're so good at playing off of one another that he's got to play those minutes. I mean, not every minute, but he's got to play um a lot of the minutes that Steph plays.
4: And I don't think it's by accident that Steph Curry has been not Steph Curry-esque with the last two performances, uh, including the game against Denver, and then last night with just the 13 points. A lot of that is attributed to the no Draymond on the floor to give him that that dribble handoff or set those screens. As you mentioned, they play so well together. But it'll be interesting when he comes back. And, and again, speaking of Steph, when Steph does have an off night, here we go. You know, one of the issues that we continually talk about is their lack of identifying that number two. Uh, Steph cannot afford to score 13 points or even 20 points. It's got to be 25, 30, 35 points in order for them to have a shot. Why? Because there's nobody else. This is not, you know, Clay Thompson is not picking up that, you know, he's not picking up that scoring load, nor is Andrew Wiggins, and so it's it's step or bust, which has been sort of problematic from the outset, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Last night was a perfect indication. He has thirteen points. He got no shot. Uh, There's nobody else that's scoring the basketball with any level of consistency. When you think about, you know, NBA basketball teams, and this started back in the day with Boston with Roy Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett, that I always thought that you got to have at least three. Three stars. Now, it's not necessarily that's... You know, you don't necessarily need three, but you need at least two. Like, wasn't that... I mean, think about the Golden State Warriors when they went back-to-back with Kevin Durant, and obviously when you had Clay and Steph and Draymond, all in their prime. It was arguably the best starting lineup to where you are today, where you're reduced, essentially, to just one guy, which is Steph. And it's just not enough. I mean, he
2: just badly needs some sidekick who can be a dominating scorer next to him. I think we all want it to be Clay Thompson. Um, But is Clay capable of fulfilling that role? You know, if not, they could use a shot creator. There's no question. They could use somebody who could beat somebody off the dribble and get into the lane and create for somebody else. That would be nice. Um, they got to figure out their rotation. They got a lot of equal players that are relatively equal. But if you said to me, get, you know, what one piece would you like to add to Golden State? It's easy to look at them and say, oh, size. But that's a tough. You know, that's you know, it, it has to be the right player. I would say you you got to have a great scorer opposite Steph somehow, some other great scorer, somebody who could score twenty a night
4: opposite Steph Curry. Well Wiggins, you look at his career stats, he's he's at twenty an hour. He's just over nineteen a game. Let's take a quick call before we get to the break and off to East Palo Alto. Thurman. Thurman, how are you? Welcome aboard.
3: Hey, how's it going? I think uh everybody is right about certain things, but I think like uh the caller said, need to get Dre back to kinda of like figure out our defense because without Dre, we have no defense at all. And you can see that in the way we play. Nobody wrote taste to help or anything like that. Um I don't know who we can get to fill that void uh, for Klay Thompson missing the shots or Wiggins, but I don't know how the contrast will ma- match up, but if you can get Jijante Murray from Atlanta Make a trade and get like a second rounder or something like that. But I really feel like if you're going to trade Draymond, you got to trade Wiggins and get a total package. What do you think about that?
2: Well, there's, you know, I think they're going to consider all options when it comes to uh, when it comes to Wiggins and some of them will probably include Draymond, some wouldn't. DeJounte Murray is kind of an interesting name. I mean, I saw a big rumor that the Lakers were badly on, on his trail. What do you think of that
4: name? I like him. Again, it's just, what is it that you... Because he's another young player. So what is it that you're giving up? At, at this point, it's what's...
2: He makes $18 million a year, so... Uh, You know, both. You know, you'd have it would be Dejounte Murray and something. uh, If you're trading Wiggins or or you know, um, Draymond or anybody anybody making north of twenty, you're gonna have to throw somebody else in there. But Murray's an interesting player for
4: sure. I don't know if the Warriors have enough or enough trade capital. If you're not if you're not going to include Kaminga, I just don't know why a GM would entertain. Uh, the Moody's, and even the Draymond's of the world at this point. All right, we've got to get to a break. It's a Football Friday brought to you by First 5 California. To learn four things you can do to overcome toxic stress, go to FirstFiveCalifornia.com. We continue with Larry Kruger and Dan Avone. We'll switch things to the NFL, get you ready for the San Francisco 49ers and the Washington Commanders coming up on Sunday. We'll do that and much more and we continue on 95.7 The Game.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
2: The Step Back 3. You bet!
1: Music.
3: You set my world on fire. Yes, I'm
1: and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. <laughs>
4: to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. We're streaming live on YouTube. Head to youtube.com slash 95.7 The Game to watch us live. And if someone swears, you get to hear it. Like and subscribe for all 95.7 The Game content here on YouTube. You know, at the break, I was just watching with Mark Granny, our producer. I was checking out Orlando taking on the Knicks. This what's, Franz what's going on? Wagner.
2: Oh, I love Wagner. Oh.
4: Don't forget, fans, as much could've as... Could have had him. He went number nine, or he went number eight. Camigo went number seven. My goodness, the guy's averaging 20 a game. He just went to the bucket with his sweet left hand. Six ten. I mean, that's that's the guy, right? Isn't that exactly when you describe what it is that the Warriors are missing? I think it's Franz they Wagner.
2: They could have had him. They could have had, had Singoon. Sengun as well, another guy
4: six ten, six eleven,
2: but so. he all had kind of an old school, you know, nineteen eighties back to the basket kind of a game, and and if the games changed now, people looked at him and said, is he going to be able to do it in the NBA? But he's, you know, Sengun has found a role.
4: So, Bob Myers, wherever you are, man, yeah, you know, he doesn't take a lot of a lot of heat, but. I think sometimes when you look at these picks, especially when you get to the lottery, and we said this time and time again, you cannot miss because lottery picks are few and far between for a team that's expected to win a title. And they had that chance. And they missed on Weissman. And with Franz Wagner emerging and with Jonathan Kaminga, and you can say what you want, whether he should be getting more time or not, you can't argue with the fact that he has been a model of inconsistency up to this point. All right. You want to talk
2: a little Niners, Commanders?
4: Um, Update me on the quarterback situation for
2: Washington. Jacoby Brissett is questionable with a hamstring. So they wanted to go from Sam Howell to Jacoby Brissett. Howell has been sacked, you know, <laughs> I mean, a ridiculous number of times. I think it's 60 times on the year for he's Sam Howell. He's also
4: thrown picks at a ridiculous clip. Yeah, he's thrown. And, and,
2: you know, really, uh, Brissett has come off the bench the last two weeks and and kind of rescued uh, Sam Howell and rescued the Commanders. Well, this week it was supposed to be Jacoby Brissett, and it may still be Jacoby Brissett, but word out of Washington is that Brissett suffered a hamstring injury in practice this week and that he is 50-50 whether he's going to go. So he's they list him as questionable for this game. So that's big. That's absolutely big. I mean, um I don't know that you know, I think the Niners would rather face Howell than Brissett. No, no doubt. Just because Howell holds the ball a long time. He's got a big arm, he's got mobility, but he's also he's he's now starting to show the effects of being sacked sixty times in a year. You know, you start to you start to lose confidence. You start to expect to go down. Um so And this is going to be, you know, it doesn't sound like for the Niners, Eric Armstead is out. Now, Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, all are off the injury report. So Trent with the groin is going to go. Debo's had a neck injury. He's going to go. Brock's got the stinger. He's going to go. So those guys are going to go. Um, They're off the injury report. Armstead, though, is considered to be out. With the uh, plantar fasciitis, Juwan Jennings, they're still listing us out with the concussion. Jalen Moore, they're listing us out with the concussion. Uh, Jair Brown's got a knee sprain. John Lynch, um, I think, said in the you know on the radio that Jair's going to try to give it a go. So that's surprising because um, you know sprain knee, you're thinking he's out for sure two weeks. But he's been working out on the side. He hasn't participated in practice. Wednesday was a walkthrough. Thursday they had a practice. He didn't participate in either practice. He worked out on the side. And they're saying it's going to be a game-time decision. So if he cannot go, um, the veteran... Logan Ryan is going to start opposite Tayshaun Gibson at safety. And then Ross Dwelly's is also out. He's got the uh, the high ankle sprain as well. As far as questionable game-time decision, Aaron Banks with a turf toe. Is he going to go? Is he not going to go? If he doesn't go at left guard, Ben Barch probably steps in at left guard. Um, Demetrius flanagan Fowles has been was questionable now because of an illness. You know, we're at that time of the year, too. Jordan Mason, they're saying, is questionable because of an illness. Ambry Thomas has got a knee and a hand injury. They also list him as questionable. Um, We may see Danny Gray for the first time. They opened his practice window. And um, one kind of interesting note I saw, Dan, is that Chris Kasaric, the Niner D-line coach, says that Robert Beal Jr., the rookie from Georgia, has looked really good in practice and that he's getting off the ball um, in a great way. Uh, he's very fast. We're talking about a guy with, you know, sub-4-5 speed at 250 pounds. So. I don't know. We'll see if uh, if Beal can give them some juice. I mean, you got that. When you have those kinds of measurables and you're you're running 4-4, you know, 4-4-8 or whatever the heck he ran at the combine, um, and you're coming at your defensive end, those guys are always nice to have. So I love the fact that I'm hearing uh, Chris say that Beal's starting to get off the ball, uh, you know, You know, when you're working on your get that's what that position's about. Getting off the ball. Get off the ball. Don't get left in your stance. Get off the ball. Get up the field. And Beal's got big time speed, so maybe
4: we'll see Beal on Sunday. You know, the one thing, Larry, when you talk about just previewing this game and the that offensive line, it's to me, it begins and ends there. There's that's a level of concern. Now you should beat Washington. Because Washington just isn't very good right now,
2: and they're banged up too. They'll be without Kendall Fuller Fuller's and out. Benjamin St. Juice. Their two top corners. They're already thirty second uh, rated in pass pass defense DVOA, so um, should be a a game where the Niners can pass it on the on the yeah. Commanders.
4: But 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 Payne and Allen are still these guys can go. I mean. Still makes no sense why they got rid of Chase Young. But that's if we were doing a show in D.C., maybe we could take some calls. I don't really give a rip because he's obviously a huge asset for the 49ers. But their D-line is still adequate. And I think that's a huge question with the 49ers in terms of still protecting Brock Purdy. Especially, as you alluded to, to the injuries of, of Banks and not a healthy Trent Williams. I mean, that thing is sort of upside down when you talk about the O-line. And the one thing that Washington has been able to do, and probably the best part of their team, is that D-line even without Chase Young. Well, and, and for the 49ers,
2: I mean, the Niners have the line that they you know paid for. They're 25th in the NFL, the 49ers are, in offensive line team spending. You know, as far as what they are, they spend the 25th most of their on their offensive line as any team in the NFL. So they're in the bottom portion of the league as far as what they've spent on their O-line, and they've got the best left tackle in the game, but everybody else, they're trying to do it on the cheap. And, um, you know, the reality is is that win, lose, or draw, whether the Niners win the Super Bowl or fall short, this offseason is going to be... a largely about upgrading that offensive line. McKivitz is getting worked pretty hard right now at right tackle. He's had some good games, but he's coming off a very bad game. Burford was horrible. Um, I mean, he was like an emergency right tackle in this game against the Ravens. That's the reason that they didn't bring Brock Purdy back onto the field. It wasn't because, oh man, Brock, you know, they love Sam Darnold, or they, you know, they don't believe that Brock could lead a comeback. They knew they had Spencer Burford at right tackle, and he was getting absolutely lit up. So, you don't, you're not going to put your quarter. I mean, the only thing worse than losing to the Ravens would have been losing to the Ravens and losing Brock Purdy for the year.
4: That was ugly. In that fourth quarter, with Trent Williams out and that offensive line just falling to pieces. That That's, you're right, that's when players get hurt. And look, at it's it's not so much that you're, you're sacking Brock Purdy, but again, you speed him up and any quarterback becomes susceptible to mistakes. They should beat Washington, but you know how these things go. Early turnovers, especially against an underdog, and you give them a sense of confidence and you let them score first. Uh, the other thing is, Larry, any chance that after the emotional game, you know how these things work, the big game that they've been pointing to in that loss to Baltimore uh, on Christmas Day in front of the world, is there any chance that they're overlooking or the proverbial airs out of the room and they're just not at that emotional peak to take on a team like that of Washington?
2: Well, I mean, it is... You know, flying, it's a short week, flying across country, but you're flying cross country against a Washington team that's bad, yeah. that you should absolutely beat. So, um, you know, and, and the Niners got to have it. I mean, if they, don't, if they don't win this game, they're not going to have the one seed. They're not going to have the bye. If you ask me, do the Niners need the one seed to win the Super Bowl? Yes. Yes. They need the bye. That's, that's how dinged up they are they <clears throat> they've got to have that rest I mean there's no question if they're if they don't get that rest I don't think they're gonna do it now the big question in this game I don't I don't know if you saw um Kyle van Noy for the Ravens but he went on his YouTube channel and claimed that the Ravens have the blue you know basically showed the blueprint on how to beat the 49ers. And that the rest of the league just needs to copy their blueprint. And what he's talking about is, he's just talking about the Ravens' defense um, that blitzed Brock Purdy off the edges with their corners and dropped lots of people into the middle of the field and basically just said, hey, you know what? We're going to check your tendencies, we're gonna we see where the spots the windows that you typically have enjoyed throwing in in the last you know four to six weeks, and we're gonna play zone on the back end and play guys in those windows as much as we possibly can. That's what they did. Now I asked Brock on Wednesday or a Thursday. I said, or I asked Kyle on Thursday on Wednesday. Um, you know, are you? Are you going to um, adjust? Or so it was No, it was the question that I asked Brock. I said, are you going to adjust to, to, or do you feel like you have the answers? After watching the film of what the Ravens did to you, defensive wrinkle-wise, do you guys feel like you guys have the answers going forward? And he said I, they really liked their plan against Baltimore and that he himself, Brock, didn't execute it well enough. And that's what he was saying. But um, I actually kind of agree with Van Noy. I think that in this game, the Ravens did some unique things, and they put a lot of defenders in those windows where Brock likes to throw. And I think other teams, maybe starting this week with the Commanders, are going to copy it. And can the Niners adjust to that with more outbreaking routes and corner routes and sideline routes um, and less stuff in the middle of the field? I I think it's going to be – that, to me, is what I'm looking for in this game is – how does Washington defend the Niner pass game and do the Niners put up big passing yards or is their pass game stymied and they turn it over like they did last week?
4: Well, I think we do have to remember that in the beginning of that game, in that first half, I saw George Kittle find seam routes where there wasn't anybody within five, ten yards of him. They had success. In fact, I think they outgained statistically, offensively, the, the Baltimore Ravens so this idea that they stymied him or shut him down I think you know, we have to keep things in perspective that the 49ers enjoyed a lot of success had more big plays than that of Baltimore to me if you really want to offset somebody coming off the edge or trying to stop the passing game that is the 49ers well run the damn ball because you've had success doing that and just get back to sort of meat and potatoes, and the success that is Christian McCaffrey, and going off that left side, which sets up play action, and then gets you back into you know the ability to to throw effectively. If if you have the leverage, and you know have them uh, give the, the guessing game is on their end where they don't know exactly what it is that you're going to do because that's when the 49ers have that balance, right? That's when you can just sense it. You know that a defense is reeling. And then they start guessing and then they get gashed and you can see clearly that the hammer is in the hands of the 49ers offensively and they can dictate exactly where they want to go and what they want to do on the field. But I think the running game, as I said immediately as I was on the air out to that game, that's as big as anything and they got away from it in my estimation way way too prematurely in baltimore
2: i agree they I mean they should have they should have run it more at the ravens i mean when you looked at those numbers and you saw wait a second baltimore's dead last against teams that run out of 21 and 22 personnel two running backs basically the running back and the fullback um Come on, right there, you know, the Niners run 60% of their stuff from two backs. They were ideally suited to run it at the Ravens all day, all night, on uh, Christmas night. And instead, McCaffrey had 14 carries. Uh, J.P. Mason had none. I think Debo might have had one or two. You know, the Niners passed the ball 46 times. This game was 16-12 at halftime. I mean, it was anybody's game. Now, it got away from them. In the third quarter, but you you could have stayed with the run even after the Ravens went up 30 to 12. There were still like 11 minutes to play in the third quarter, uh, and you could have stayed with the run. So, uh, to me, if there was one mistake in that game, it was that the 49ers had a major advantage. In two backs against running the ball against the Ravens, and they didn't take advantage of it. They had a they had first quarter. They had ten passes and five runs. That should have been reversed. That should have been ten runs and five passes. It should have been a run heavy plan. And for whatever reason, it wasn't. So I, I think that would have changed things quite a bit. Now the Niners did connect on a couple pass plays early, and maybe Kyle felt like, hey, you know what. We can throw the ball on this team. Um, But once Hamilton picked off that first pass, I think I would have gone to a, hey, you know what? I mean, especially when you're going up against a Baltimore team that's like literally number one in like a bunch of different defensive categories, and yet they're dead last against two backs, and that's what you run, and you only run the ball sparingly. That was a mistake, in my opinion.
4: Do you find any credence in the 49ers when they're labeled as a as a front runner like when they get out in front this is a team that can win i mean cuz you and i grew up with the niners and joe Montana and steve young who you know they their trademark was you know here comes joe with 2 minutes on the clock and you're down you're down 5 points or you're down a couple of touchdowns the 49ers would just come from behind the the number that jumps out at me is that Shanahan 0 36? That's 0-38 now. It was is it thirty eight? Yeah, so the
2: the Niners under Shanahan 0 and 38 when they trail by eight or more points in the fourth. In the fourth. He's also one and thirty two when trailing by three points entering the fourth quarter. How do you explain that away, or can you? Uh it's a great question. I mean, it's it's it, how do you explain it? Um I don't know if I have an explanation for it. He gets a little pass happy at times. Maybe if they ran the ball a little bit more, that wouldn't be the case. Um, I definitely feel like there were opportunities. You know, I mean, they've lost some key games in this in this in this way because they they didn't you know they didn't have offensive balance in the fourth quarter. But yeah, I mean, it's that is. And people talk about well, Brock's got to prove he can win coming from behind. Shanahan's got to prove that they can win coming from behind. I mean, they don't. They really don't win. I mean, like that game Monday night, I didn't really get the feeling that they were going to win that game at any point in that game. It just, that's not their script. They're, they're, even though they're a great team with tons of talent, they they seemingly can only really win one way, which is they get a lead and build it up on you. I mean, the 49ers this year, when they have won games, they, they win by huge margins. Um, they dominate their opponents. They've got eight wins this year by 16 points or more. I mean, that's a lot of blowout yeah. wins. But can they win a grimy game, as Fred Warner described? Can they win a game where they've got to come from behind in the fourth quarter? Can they win a game where it, where it's you know back and forth? They don't seem to be able to win those games. Now, I'm not sure if, if Shanahan feels the pressure, if it's about, you know those numbers are tied to you know Jimmy Garoppolo and his inability or uh to, to you know to do you know Jimmy needed play action right if you didn't have play action the rush would get to him their line i mean their offensive line kind of needs play action if they don't have play action at their disposal their line just gets overrun by opposing defensive lines. Maybe that has a lot to do with it, but you're right. They have not, under Shanahan, for the most part, come back in any game that they're not leading going to the fourth.
4: I think the one game this year that at least resembled that was that win in, in Seattle. Because it was at now. They weren't trailing in the fourth quarter. But early on in that game. Seattle made a nice run in that third quarter, though. Yeah, but if you remember, that, I think the 49ers got out to the 7 nothing lead. And then you're at Seattle, which is always a difficult place to play. And they got behind. They, the momentum clearly swung in that game. And they were trailing 10 7. And that's the game that you wanted to see. Okay, you're on the road, you're trailing. Uh, all the momentum is clearly on the side of Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. And Brock Purdy, I thought, took a huge step, as did the 49ers, and won a game in an ugly, ugly sort of you know, environment. It doesn't get any worse. Maybe Kansas City, I don't know, Green Bay and Seattle's right up there. When you give them a lead, their crowd works into it, and they can play, they can they can make a difference in the outcome of the contest. And I think Brock Purdy and the 49ers, uh, it's the closest you're going to see to a team, their team coming from behind on the road. Uh, and... You know, to me, that was sort of a, you know, a a building block for Brock Purdy and and company. But you're right; he's got to do a lot more of that. And until you, until Shanahan as well as Purdy, uh, that's how you get your wings, right, as a quarterback. You can throw it all over the field for three quarters, but until you do it when we need you to, and marches down the field, stick it in the end zone, and let's go home, especially on the road, then you sort of arrived as an NFL quarterback.
2: And then there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, until Brock shows that he's not the guy. Now I'm I'm not in that category. I I believe he is the guy, but. Um, And he did this in Cleveland, and Moody missed the forty-one yarder. You know, I think if there was one play that Shanahan would love to have back this year, it was the play before the field goal in that Browns game where they could have called another play. They easily could have called another play. They could have gotten ten more yards. They you know they could have made it easier. They just felt like, ah, you know what, forty-one yards. That you know that he's got this, but it's a rookie kicker. um, You know, on a on a cold, rainy day in Cleveland um, with some pressure for the first time, and he pushed it. I think that was the one he pushed wide right. So, you know, credit Cleveland. They were good that day. They played great defense. Niners also had injuries that day. I believe that was the game that uh, Trent Williams went down. Debo went down in the first the first uh, series of the game. So they had some injuries. and But, I mean, even in that situation – if you're saying that Brock can't come back in the fourth quarter, you're saying that he doesn't have the nerve to do it. Well, in that game he showed exactly that nerve. You know, he he got the ball back inside the 2-minute warning, needing or right around the 2-minute warning, needing to drive his team the length of the field for the game-winning field goal. And he connected with IU like two or three times and they moved right down the field and they probably should have called one more play instead they didn't. They kicked the 41-yarder and they missed it. If Moody makes that 41-yarder, now Brock has come from behind and the Niners win 20 to 19. By the way, how good were the Browns last night? The Browns might be I was looking at the odds in Vegas for the Super Bowl. You can get the Browns at a great price right now and and they look terrific. I mean, the Browns right now are real and they're that that they're no joke i mean they put up 37 on a very good jets defense flacco throws for 300 yards again i think he's thrown for 300 yards like five times in the last five or six weeks um they can run the ball they've got You know, weapons as far as Elijah Moore, David Njoku, uh, Kareem Hunt. They've got some receivers, obviously, um, Amari Cooper when he gets healthy. And then on defense, you got Miles Garrett and you got Denzel Ward and, you know, uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, the the, uh, Notre Dame linebacker. So, I mean, they got a lot of talent on all three levels of their D. Um, Stefanski, maybe coach of the year. Flacco maybe comeback player of the of the war comeback player of the year award winner. So man, watch out for Cleveland.
4: I want to discuss this when we come back. Speaking of Cleveland, what's the worst trade to date when you're talking about QBs? Was it Denver acquiring Russell Wilson? Or was it Cleveland getting Deshaun Watson? When you think about what it is those two teams gave up. Larry Kruger will give his response. We continue talking a little Niner football. Wait, i got to read before we get out of here. We are presented by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. Nighter talk as well as a little tour around the NFL. We continue. It's Larry Krueger and Dan Avona, of The Game.
5: It's been a-
1: A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Now
4: to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Willard and Dibs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you find your favorite podcast. We went to the break talking about some of the worst trades. We We were discussing the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson, which has been underwhelming to say the least. Once again, out with an injury. Joe Flacco literally gets off the couch. (laughs) This guy... He wasn't standing on some sideline as a you know number three or four in the depth chart. He was at home watching games, drinking beers and crushing chips like the rest of us and now, you know, the rest is history is he's led this resurrection to the Cleveland Browns. But we're talking about some of the worst trades and certainly that Cleveland trade and getting Deshaun Watson as well as Russell Wilson have to be right at the very top there.
2: I mean, and and I looked up some of the details on these trades, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. Deshaun Watson got traded from Houston to Cleveland uh, for three first-round picks, one third-round pick, one fourth-round pick, one fifth-round pick. They've already turned it into Will Anderson, who's an excellent defensive end out of Alabama. Tank Dell nice wide receiver from University of Houston, Kenyon Green, who's an offensive lineman from Texas A&M and they still have multiple they have uh, more picks coming. So, and then Deshaun Watson, not only did Cleveland make that trade Then they turned around and gave Watson a $230 million (laughs) contract that's 100% guaranteed and carries a $63.9 million cap hit over the next three years. Cleveland can't even get out of the deal until 2027. They would have to pay $136.9 million in a cap penalty in 2024, or a $73 million cap penalty in 2025 if they release him. So, I mean, what are they going to do? And not only that, I mean, of course, we all know about his, you know, Watson's injury history and his whole, you know, um, I'm going to go to the massage parlor uh, accusations uh, of improprieties there. So, I mean, well, that's a disaster. That is a disaster. And now Flacco, wouldn't that be something if Flacco came in there, who was a former Super Bowl-winning quarterback with the Ravens, as Niner fans know, all too well, and just steps in for Deshaun Watson and maybe wins the Super Bowl. I mean, that would be incredible. Watson's done for the year. He had season-ending shoulder surgery. He's missed 22 of 34 games. Um, he will have missed 22 of 34 games when the regular season comes to a conclusion this year. So he's missed a ton of time. All the money's guaranteed. He looks, if you watch Cleveland and watch Deshaun, he looks like he's playing in a fog. I mean, he looks terrible. He looks absolutely terrible. So then there's that There's that trade. If that wasn't bad enough. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. But then Russell Wilson gets traded from Seattle to Denver for Noah Fant, tight end, Drew Locke, quarterback, Shelby Harris, defensive lineman, and five draft picks that <laughs> that uh, John Schneider turned into six so far. They were first and second round picks in the 22 and 23 draft, and then... Um, the fifth-round pick in 2022. So they've gotten all their players out of those picks, and this is what they've gotten from Russell Wilson. Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Devin Witherspoon, one of the best young corners in the game, Boye Mafé, who's been a tremendous defensive end for um, Seattle, Charles Cross, their starting left tackle, Derek Hall, Former Auburn Tiger, really good young defensive end. Tyreek Smith has been just okay. And Derek Young, who's um, kind of a jumbo wide receiver, tight end, special teamer. Nothing great there. But Witherspoon, Maffey, Charles Cross, Fant, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, all for Russell Wilson. And then you, you saw the Russell Wilson yes. story. I don't know if we have that cut, but how about Denver went to Russell Wilson this year going into the bye and asked him to reduce his contract. And if he refused, they would bench him. And then he goes into the comes out of the bye and leads them to three straight victories. And now they bench him anyway for um, the Raider quarterback, Jared Stidham. So now Russell is gonna be gone at the end of the year. Um I mean, I I kind of feel like Russell Wilson's been is a good. I've, I've interviewed him before. I've talked to him in the locker room before. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good person. I think he's he's uh, he's he's you know he lives his life by morals and ethics, and he's he's a solid person. Um, and I think he's a damn good quarterback. What's he like eighteen and three or something like that career against the Niners. I mean, total ownage of the 49ers. He just absolutely dominated them.
4: Speaking with about Russell Wilson, let's hear from the quarterback or the former quarterback of the Denver Broncos.
6: They came up to me during the uh, bye week and beginning of the bye week uh, Monday or Tuesday, and they told me that uh, if I didn't change my contract, my injury guaranteed that I'd be uh, you know that I'd, I'd be benched for the rest of the year and uh, for I don't know I think we had nine games left or so. Uh, I was definitely disappointed about it, and uh, it was a process throughout the whole week um, for whole bye week, and um, you know it was it was. Uh, you know, we, we just came off beating the Chiefs, played a pretty good game against the Chiefs. We just came off of that. So I was excited obviously for us fighting for the playoffs and get on a hot streak, you know, and then uh, you know NFLPA and NFL got involved or whatever, I think, but at some point. But I, I think, you know, for me, you know, I just, you know, I, I came here to, to, um, to play here. To 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 win, I knew it was going to be a process. To to uh, you know you know I signed a seven year deal to you know for us to go and play hard and that's my goal every every time I step into the white lines is give everything I have. You know I want to be here. I want to play here. I want to be able to win here. I want to win championships here. I want to give my all every week. You know no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the score is, and um, you know and uh, I want to be the best teammate and leader that I can be in the midst of it all. You know that's why I was out here at practice every day and you know I told I told. Jared, I'll help him, and lead him and do whatever it takes, and keep the guys going, and try to lead the right way. You know, that's all I know.
4: That's Russell Wilson. I said a former, former starter, maybe, but he's certainly still on that Denver Bronco roster. As he was asked once again to rework his deal or suffer the consequences, which is essentially get benched. I'll tell you one thing, and you can, I know the player's salary is something that gets publicized, and we could talk about, oh my God, how much money they gave Deshaun Watson, and it's guaranteed, and even Russell Wilson's deal. But the one thing NFL players, and they should all unite around this, should not feel guilty about, and that is giving money back to a franchise. Because believe you me, they're. They're not suffering. And even for the a franchise to ask for him to rework the deal, cause that's on you, and have no issues with Russell Wilson not even entertaining, giving any money back to the Denver Broncos.
2: I, I don't there's so many people that talk about Russell Wilson like he's some bum. He's thrown for three thousand yards this year. He's got twenty-six touchdowns and eight picks. Those are good numbers. So not terrible numbers by any stretch. He's 35. He's not the player that he was. He doesn't move around like that anymore. But I mean, those are good numbers. 3000 yards, 26 touchdowns and eight picks. You could do a whole lot worse than that. Um but it sounds like Denver's going to trade him at the end of the year. Um I've got the odds in front of me. Who do you think is favored to trade for Russell Wilson at 5 to 1. 5 to 1 odds.
4: Minnesota <laughs> Did you see this? No.
2: Minnesota. Is that right? Yeah, it's Minnesota. Oh wow. Minnesota's 5 to 1. Pa- Patriots are 6 to 1. That's a good great cast. Commanders are 7 to 1. Raiders also 7 to 1. Bears at 8, Falcons at 8, New York Giants at 8, Steelers at 8. Tampa Bay at 10, Arizona at 10, Saints at 11, Seahawks at 33 to 1. Um I'd take Russell Wilson. If I was a team that needed a quarterback, he's 35, and he hasn't moved quite as well as he used to. But, I mean, those numbers are not bad for this year. 26 touchdowns and 8 picks.
4: i got another trade for you. What do you got? How about the year being 2021 and the San Francisco 49ers deal uh, with the Miami Dolphins in getting Trey Lance, the Miami Dolphins received, The 2021 first round pick, which was number 12 overall. 2022 first round pick, number 29. Also in 22, they get a third round pick, which was number 101. In 23, they get a first round pick, number 29. Now, if you just follow along what it is that the Miami Dolphins did with those picks that they got from the San Francisco 49ers to get Trey Lance, they drafted Jalen Waddell. They traded those picks away to get Tariq Hill. They traded one of those picks away to get Bradley Chubb, the linebacker, and then they drafted Channing Tyndall. Not bad for the Miami that's, Dolphins.
2: That's pretty good.
4: Thank you very much, San Francisco.
2: That's pretty good. That is really good. They got Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell.
4: Wow. <laughs> Where were you at? I hadn't done a show with you. Where were you at with Trey Lance? When he, uh, his his whole sojourn here in San Francisco.
2: Well, I, I, I definitely liked the pick at the time. Um, because, and I still believe, you know, I'm a believer in Trey Lance. I, I, and I still am. Now, there's a lot of people that are like, oh my God, are you kidding me? He's, he's a bust. And I get that. Sitting here on, you know, just late December 2023, he is a bust. But, um, this is a guy who just to me, he checks all the boxes. Is he athletic enough? Yes. Is he smart enough? Yes. Is football important to him? Yes. And I just think that we get into this we get into this um, kind of knee jerk. Let's decide everything immediately, society, and people just don't see things through. I mean, this guy's raw, and it's going to take time. And people say, "Oh, come on! If it was going to happen, it would have already happened by now." No, Steve Young was not good in the NFL until he was 31. Trey Lance is 23. <laughs> um, you know, Kurt Warner wasn't good in the NFL until he was 28. I mean, you could go right down the list. There for every quarterback that was good at 23, there's like 10 guys that weren't good until they were 28, 29. So, Trey. I mean, Alex Smith. I look at him and I see Alex Smith. Alex Smith, would you say Alex Smith had a good career? Sure. Okay. He was the first pick in the draft. He never won the Super Bowl, but he could have won a Super Bowl potentially with Kansas City. Uh, Didn't win one with the Niners because they moved off of him for Kaepernick. But Alex Smith was not good at the beginning. And it was his eighth year when Harbaugh came to San Francisco and started to get the most out of Alex Smith. So, all I would say to people who are like, Krug, you're crazy. Trey Lance is garbage. Um, No. Trey Lance is going to figure it out. And it's going to be next year or the year after or the year after that. But if you said bet everything you got on Trey Lance has a career and is a decent NFL quarterback or has no career, I know most people would say he's a bust and he won't have a career. I'd put my money on he's going to have a career and he's going to be good. I, I still believe that. Now, he's not. he didn't deserve to start over Brock Purdy. And I thought that once they discovered Purdy and saw what they had in Purdy, it was time to move off of Lance. So, And I said it last February that, based on what John Lynch had said, that I knew they were moving off of Trey Lance. I mean, he went to the Combine last year, Dan, and he said, you know, Trey Lance has got to play. And then there was a big pause. And he's like, you know, and that's kind of the problem because we got a team that's ready to win right now. And it was like right then and there I just knew. They're trading him. They're absolutely trading him, and um, I said so, and man, I took a lot of heat for that for months and months and months and months, but eventually, they did move him, and uh, he's in Dallas now, and I don't know if that'll be his final landing spot before he comes of age, but don't quit on that kid, because he is smart, he is competitive, he is athletic, football is important to him, it is the family business, he's not going to quit. He's going to keep it rolling, and I think he's going to develop. It's going to take a year, maybe two, but he's. He, we haven't heard of the last of Trey Lance.
4: 510 really quick on the Comcast text line. Trey Lance is in jacking it anywhere, ever. Thank you very much, 510, as our ongoing, ongoing joke continues. All right, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM, and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch, and YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
5: There's joy in every journey.
1: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
4: That clock at four. Donchich. The step back
2: three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire.
1: And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here.